Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Corinne Ninja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Ninja, and this week, as always, I'm sharing another incredible story of recovery. This week's is a wonderful weight loss gallstone episode, but every week on this podcast, I share someone's incredible story of recovery after adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet for chronic diseases such as type 2 diabetes, heart disease, multiple sclerosis, several forms of cancer now on the show, two that were terminal cancer diagnoses. There has just been ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, so many debilitating, life-destroying conditions that have been completely transformed with a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. It's amazing what happens when we view food as medicine and begin to heal our bodies from the inside out. And every week we have doctors, nutritionists, guests that have transformed their life on this show, hoping to inspire and give people hope that there is another way to live, that there's a better way, a healthier way for people's health, for the animals and for the planet. And this week's guest is very, just wonderful. It was wonderful meeting Nalita Besson. She has a wonderful, wonderful story about her own weight loss journey. It covered so many things. And one of the things that she said after we finished recording was that she has seven brothers and one of them passed away from complications of obesity and diabetes when he was 40, in his early 40s. The other six remaining living brothers all are living with diabetes, except for one who is a vegan and went vegan a couple of years ago. Everybody else in her family, you know, her father, her husband's father, they all had high blood pressure and complications from diabetes. They passed away in their early 60s, her father and her father-in-law from complications, diabetes and heart disease. Um, 61 is too young, you know, 45 is too young. And, and, and it's, it just, I think it's such an important piece of, of Nalita's story that she is now, you know, she has completely transformed her health from the inside out. She has experienced tremendous weight loss. She feels great. She can now do She's a mother of three children with disabilities. You know, she's married. She's a teacher. She's she can now be a mother and a partner and a teacher and support in work in her community from a space of great health. You know, she she feels amazing, and it's just. There is so much gold in this episode. I just kept. I just kept thinking about the things that she was saying as far as food addiction and and the strategies that she's used to overcome this herself as a serious junk food addict to someone who is completely salt, oil and sugar free, whole food, plant based. It's an incredible transformation and it might seem extreme for you because, you know, salt was one of the hardest things for me and my family as well. It might seem extreme for you, but 
listen because she has so much wisdom in this episode for you and for you on your own health journey. You don't have to start where she is. It's just about starting as every guest on this show talks about. It's just doing a little bit more today than yesterday and just keep going because we're all on this journey together. So thank you so much, Nalita, for coming on the show. And before I bring Nalita on, I just wanted to mention Nalita has a blog called plantbasedgodsgrace.com and a Facebook page, plantbasedgodsgrace.com. So please go check her out. She has a little book, like an ebook, I think, of her journey over at Facebook that you can listen to you know, read her journey. It's really great. And read a bit of a few of her delicious recipes over in that book. There's a free over at her Facebook page, Plant Based God's Grace. And definitely go check those out. Don't forget to share her story on your Facebook page, Instagram, social media. And and please, if you have to have the time to leave a review over at Apple Podcast. It would mean the world to me because this is how this podcast keeps going is via your support. You know, you are this podcast, my family, my extended family, and and this podcast is my mission and I hope our shared mission in sharing the incredible powers of food, real, real food with everyone that we know. The more people that hear about stories like Nalita's, stories like Tim Brown's, stories like Amanda Fisher's, Adam Guthrie's, stories like Tim Kaufman, stories like Josh Lajani, stories like Rebecca Stenor. There are so many stories on this podcast now of people healing from Jeanette Murray Wakeland's story about healing from terminal breast cancer. There are so many like so many ulcerative colitis there's so many stories on there and so I know I go on and on and I'm sorry if you're listening and you're like oh gosh Karim we know we know we know there's somebody else who's listening today for the very first time who doesn't know and so I will never stop talking about this because I want that person to share I want that person to go out of their comfort zone and share it on their social media. I know that nobody likes sharing anything on social media or liking anything on social media anymore or commenting because it's all not cool to do that anymore. But these stories are so important. It's so important because people like me, we heard on the grapevine about someone who healed from a whole food plant-based diet and that's what helped us give it a shot. And that's how come we transformed our life and we will forever be in the debt of the doctors like like Dr. Esselstyn who's come on this show, Dr. Michael Greger, Dr. Cobble Campbell, Dr. Greger, Dr. McDougall, so many great doctors doing this great work and this great research and all the guests who have taken the leap of faith to try this way of eating and transform their life, we are forever in their debt. And anyone who's, everyone who doesn't want this information will scroll past your post on Facebook and Instagram. They won't take a moment to just scroll past. But there might be someone who's desperate to change their life, who's suffering so much like Tim Brown was, like I was, like Adam Guthrie was, like... Nalida in this episode was, they're suffering so much 
and they see your post saying this person healed their type 2 diabetes, this person healed their multiple sclerosis, this person recovered from terminal cancer. And look, there are some people that, you know, I'm not saying that every single person with terminal cancer is going to recover. So please don't write me a message saying this is mean for people who've got terminal cancer and they're not recovering. This is mean for someone with multiple sclerosis that's not recovering. A lot of people have recovered and do recover. So even though not not everyone, there's so many factors. You know, if you listened to the doctors and guests, there's so many factors, diet, environmental talk, pollution, there's stress, there's so many factors that impact on disease. But so many people heal from a whole food plant-based diet that surely, even if I didn't heal my MS from a whole food plant-based diet, I would still want to know about this. I would still want to have given it a shot. And I would still be doing it because I would have lost weight. I would have overcome chronic constipation that was debilitating and embarrassing and painful. I would have still slept better, felt better, had more energy, had more brain fog, felt more confident to go on to have a family knowing that I have more energy than ever before. It is still better than being terrible. You know, even if you still are suffering, it's still better than suffering on a standard American, Australian, English, standard processed animal product diet that most people are on. It's still a whole heap better. So I know that there's some people out there that maybe it hasn't worked yet. Maybe you need a different doctor. Maybe you need a different gut therapy. Maybe your microbiome is really, really unhealthy. Maybe there's needs tweaking in other places. Maybe you need to have a doctor, one of Dr. McDougall's fasts or you need to go to the Cleveland Clinic or you need to, you know, there's so many. You need to go to True North or you need to go to the Gawler Foundation here in Melbourne in South Yarra, South, sorry, Yarra Junction. Things can be tweaked, don't give up. But worst case scenario, you'll never feel worse. You'll always feel better. And I mean, if, you, if you're listening, I, I do feel worse. As I said, go see someone and make some tweaks because there's always tweaks that can be made. I believe, and most people that I know and the doctors that I know believe that this is the absolute best way to eat for chronic disease management, for prevention, for recovery, for optimal health and well-being. So it's worth it for anyone. I would think it was worth it even if it stopped me from having to live off laxatives and candida medication for chronic thrush and constipation. It would be worth it for those two things alone. So please share, post, review. It all helps people like me, like all the guests on my show, to feel better, just to feel better. You know, that's that's the whole point of this podcast is that we're living in a world where everyone feels sick pretty much every day. There doesn't have to be that way. So thank you for listening and please check out Nalida, check out Plant Based God's Grace um, on Facebook and plantbased.godsgrace.com. And if you want to join my Facebook group, it is plant-based and the and symbol, thriving over at Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram and all those places at Corinne Nidger and comment on the show notes. If you have any comments for Nalita and I, we would love to see you there. And I'll see you after the show.
Bye. Hello, Nalita. Welcome to the show. Hi, Corinne. How are you? I am so good. I'm really great. And I'm really excited to he hear your story and for everyone who's listening to hear your story today. So I'll start off with my um, journey started, my health journey, weight, lo weight loss and whole plant-based journey started in July in 2013. Um, I had gone, I'm a teacher, so I was um, off for the summer and my husband and three kids and I, we went to a conference in Florida. Um, my husband and my three kids are legally blind um, from the same condition, congenital cataracts. So we went to a conference for the blind in Florida. And while we were there, we were on vacation. We were at Disney and had a good time. And when we came back, uh, we live in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I did not feel well. I had had uh, problems with my gallbladder before. I had gallstones and I had had gallbladder attacks and things like that. Um, but this time it was worse. Not only did I have like constant gallbladder attacks, but I also started to have massive pain um, all over my body. I, I mean, I was in so much pain. My joints were hurting, even my skin hurt. And that was the first time that I've had pain to that extent. And of course I became afraid because I just was like, I don't know what this is. Like if I go to the doctor, um, something is going to be something bad because I experienced that level of pain before. Um, so I kind of sat with it for a couple of days and weeks trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I just remember one day, um, my youngest, who's my son, I have two daughters and a son came into our bedroom and he sat on the bed and I was just lying down. I still was not feeling well. And he turned around, he was watching the TV and he turned around, he was six at the time. And he looked at me and he smiled. And I just remember looking at his sweet face and just saying, I need to do something because I need to be around for him and for my daughters. So I prayed right then. And I just prayed to God to help me to, to do something so that I can heal my body because I knew that I had abused my body with food, with all this processed and junk food. So I said that prayer and literally it was like an epiphany. I turned around and I had this book on my nightstand that had been there, literally had been there for like a year. Um, it was Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Furman. But I mean, I had looked at it and hadn't really made a decision to do something serious. I was always a vegetarian. I'm, I'm a lifelong vegetarian, but I was just a junk food vegetarian. It's so easy to be a junk food vegetarian. Oh, so <laughs> I mean, Oreos <laughs> are vegan, okay? So I had um, looked at the book and I had bought it originally because I said, oh, well, you know, I'm already vegetarian. So, you know, this, this, this should be pretty good. But then when I started looking through, I'm like, oh, this is like a lot more than what I thought. So at that time, I, w I was not ready to make that uh, commitment to really eating clean, whole food, plant-based. So at that time I said, I looked and it was like, that was the answer to my prayer. And I said to myself, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to commit, I'm going to do this. Um, and that's what really launched my journey. Um, that was the very beginning of it. And um, the first thing that I did, I talked to my husband. I said, I have to throw all, all the junk food in the house because I can't, I, you know what kind of pain I'm in, how, I'm, how I've been feeling. I can't do it. And um, my husband also was very obese. And 
but he agreed because he saw how I was suffering. And he said, okay, if you know, do what you need to do. So I literally, I mean, I threw out everything. I threw, I mean, I had bags of sugar. Um, I was always a, a good baker. I was always a baker in my family. I come from a family of 12 um, kids and I was the one who was always the baker. So I had all this sugar, white flour, oils, everything. I threw all of that out. Um, all the candies, cookies. I mean, my kids were like, you know, the Oreos? No, not the Oreos, not the chips. And I said, well, it's not good for you guys either. I mean, they were not obese, but I, you know, I said, it's not good for any of us. So I literally, I threw everything out. Oh, yeah. I can imagine your kids would have. <laughs> they were just like, oh, my goodness. And I said, well, you guys know mom has not been feeling well we, since we've come back from vacation. I, I have not been well. And I said, this is not good for us. So I literally, I replaced everything. I got all these fruit baskets and um, I replaced it with fresh fruit. Um, I got them the Larabas, the ones that have no sugar, just the ones that have nuts and dates. So I would get those snacks. And so that's what I just restocked everything. I started getting vegetables. And so everything just became a learning curve. You know, I started learning from other plant-based experts and getting, you know, information. And then I just started cooking that way without the oil. I started um, without the sugar. The sugar, it took me a couple of more months to totally get off of it because initially, yes, I'd thrown away the sugar. But it, when it was time for the holidays, because I started in July, I started to lose weight and I was losing it. But then, you know, the holidays came and then they were like, okay, these vegan um, pumpkin pies from Whole Foods and, uh, and all of that. And then I said, okay, I can have some. And then it just soon got out of control. So I was still losing some weight. I was, I started at size 24 um, and I was still losing some weight, but starting to eat some of those vegan desserts that had sugar and that had oil or maybe vegan butters. Then it started to activate my gallstones because of, you know, all that extra oil and things. And I started to not feel that well. So then on December 27, <laughs> 2013, that same year, I just made the commitment to just cut the sugar out 100%. And really, I have not had sugar since that time. Um, so over, oh, geez, now over five years um, without the sugar. And so the whole thing has been a journey for me. Um, I went from a size 24 um, down to a size 6. Sometimes some fours because my upper body is smaller than my lower body. I've got hips. So, um, but literally, like I have, um, I brought them out there just as, as we're talking to look at my size, my old size 24 jeans. Let me see if I can even <laughs> bring it into, well, this, these are my old, this is the top of it since uh, I'm sitting here, of, of my tw size 24 um, jeans. You can't see if you're listening to this, but there are, she's more than half the size of those jeans now. Yeah. I mean, my son who's like, you know, size 24, you're six. Well, he's like, well, that's like four times. I was like, well, in, in clothes size, it's not exactly that. But I mean, number wise from 20, 24 to six. Yeah. It's, um, I still, I mean, I look at them and I still can't believe it. And my son, who's the youngest, sometimes he says, I mean, it's only five and a half years. And he says, you know, I, I don't totally remember you when you were that big. I mean, he's like, yeah, kind of. But they're more getting used to me the way that I am now. 
because that's that's me. That's my that's who I think I really was. Mm. Well, and I think that that is that identifying as a certain size is like a huge mental block for a lot of people when they are at that heavier side where they think this is me I'm big I'm a big person you know we've had so many weight loss journeys on this show now and I think for everyone myself included it was so hard to identify as a thin person and I think that makes the struggle quite difficult along the way because you're like what 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 will I even look like at the end who will I <laughs> you know how will it be exactly it's 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 still sometimes difficult to identify as a slimmer person i mean i had spent decades really as an obese woman i mean i i lost some weight here and there um there was one time i had lost um oh that was like almost uh, 15, 20 years ago, I had lost a substantial amount, but I had gotten down to a size 10. So in my mind, I had always thought, and when I was a size 10, people always said, oh, you're so slim. They would, you know, say, oh, you remember the, the tall, the tall, slim girl, the tall, skinny girl. So in my head, I said, well, if I get down to a size 10, again, as I was for a short time, I had regained the weight. I said, you know, well, if I get down to a size 10 again, then, you know, then I'm going to be slim again. I'll be considered slim. And so, but with this journey and just the way that I was eating um, and in, in exercising, somebody's really more the diet. Um, I, when I got down to the size 10 and I thought, you know, and then I had, I had saved those clothes. It was like, you know, over 10 years since I had, you know, been that size for, for a brief time. And I had had all those clothes and I had thought that I would never wear them again, but I still held on to them. And then when I was able to take them out the closet, I was like, oh my goodness, I was wearing all these clothes that I had loved. And um, I just felt so good to be able to wear them. And then the size 10 started to get loose. And when I had to replace them, because each time I replaced them, because I did not want to keep the big clothes in the closet, because I, I thought for me, it would be the mind, the mindset of, well, you're going to go back there or like an insurance or just in case. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I did not want that. So each time I would give them away or if they were not good, you know, throw them out. And so when I got smaller and I could not fit the tens, it was actually like bittersweet for me because that was like the size that I thought, you know, this is it, you know, if I reach there. And so when I had to give those away, literally like, you know, I just was folding each one. I was thinking like all the different memories. These are the pants that I wore when I went to, you know, my older daughter's school and, and the person at the front desk was saying, oh, you know, you have such a nice, cute shape. And I remembered that this person said that, you know, I wore that this lavender dress my husband had bought for me. And, you know, I was like, it was so special. And it was this small size. So all of these clothes, it really, it was, it, it meant a lot to me, um, you know, when I got there and to be able to um, hand, it, hand it over then to, to someone else. And then I, it, I just went down to eight and then I went down to six. So I had never anticipated in my life that I would get down to a single digit. Um, I just, that had not ever entered my, um, my mind at all. And so when did you, along your journey, when did your weight, like for a lot of people, we started out as heavier kids, but you're saying that you were you were a tall, slim, young girl. 
Well, no, I was the only time that I had gotten that tall, slim was in my in adulthood. So when oh. I briefly had lost weight, it was like in 2003, but it, it didn't sustain. It didn't, it didn't last like, you know, more than a year. But I was always a chubby. I was a chubby kid. Probably after um, in elementary school, it was around third grade because I remember my second grade teacher saying to me when I was in third grade and she saw me out in the hallway and then she said, oh, Nalita, um, mom's cooking must be really good. You know, you look like you got a little chunky. And so that was the first time that I kind of had that realization because someone said that in my second grade teacher who was, you know, one of my favorite teachers. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And so that's when I kind of become, became aware that I was this chubbier kid. And then by the time I got to fifth grade, um, I was pretty chubby. And then middle school, sixth grade on, um, I was a, I was a really big, big, um, kid. I mean, I was kind of tall for a woman, five, seven, five, eight, but, um, I was still, quite um, heavy. I was at that time, probably 120 pounds heavier than I am now. Basically most of my life, um, I was overweight or obese. Yes. And so for for people who are, so I think it's difficult for people when they're listening. And if this video makes it to YouTube, which I might, may, I'm going to be very good at it this year. I promised that I'm going to be YouTubing some interviews this year. So this one could be one of them. <laughs> but if you can't see Nalita and you're wondering, or you can see her, or you're hearing her story, I think it can be difficult to see someone who looks so healthy and, you know, is you know, bright and vital and is, is a size six and to ever imagine that she was. So go to the show notes and have a look and to see her before and afters to see how far she has come. And and if you could, Nalita, just talk about how you used to eat before making the transition and then how you eat now for people who are listening, just so you can hear and say, you know, if you're at the stage in your life where you're, having Oreos in your snack break at work and you're eating the muffins off the nursing station desk or you're doing night shift and you're having a cheeseburger meal, quarter pounder and chips and you're thinking, oh gosh, you know, she was already a lifelong vegetarian. The switch wouldn't have been that difficult for her. If you listen to how she was eating, then you can start to Realize, and if you go back to the other episodes with all the guests like Joshua Johnny and Tony Comfer and Tim Kaufman and Andrew Taylor and all those people, you you can hear that we and me even my own, you know, you can hear that we all were definitely in your shoes, most likely, very similar positions. So, Nalita, tell us how you were eating before. Well, I was a junk food junkie. I mean, basically I would eat, I, the only thing I didn't eat was meat. And that was just because I, I mean, naturally I just never liked it since I was a baby. My mother would say that I would just put it on my cheek if she gave it to me. So I think, and my father said she, he had an aunt who was that way. So I just did not eat meat or fish, but I had everything else, processed food. I mean, I'm a teacher um, I'm a teacher of students who are blind and visually impaired, so I'm itinerant. I travel from school to school to um, work with the students. And so I would be, it's like food is a drug. Um, 
And I mean, I'm thinking Dr. Furman's book where he says, everyone you know is a food addict. And really almost everyone is at some point or in or or one that's in recovery or recovered because there's so much junk everywhere, like chips, all the chemicals that are in there. I would just have things in my car because I travel. So I always had like, you know, maybe a candy bar, chips. I would sometimes just go by, you know, like a Dunkin' Donuts, you know, in between schools, drive through, you know, get donuts. Sometimes I would like rationalize and say, oh, I'll get a box and then I'll, you know, just bring some for the kids. That'll be a treat for the kids. But yeah, it, it, a treat for the kids. But, you know, and meanwhile, I'm going to have several before it gets home to the kids. Okay. So when I think about it, there was one time that I went and I put on my blog, like, you know, like on, on, on some, on one day what I would eat. And it was literally, oh my goodness, it was over 5,000 calories easily because it was like, okay, pizza, um, chips, candy bar, cookies. And I mean, with all the sugar that's so addicting and also the chemicals that's in there, you, you know, you can't stop at just like, okay, two Oreos. No, it would be that whole row. And then maybe later it will be more. I mean, it was so easy to really binge, to overeat on that food. Even if it wasn't at one sitting, you know, have some later, have some later. Like there's, there's no way that a whole, a whole bag of meals could last, you know, if not a, definitely not a week you know, two days, <laughs> maybe. I was always amazed by people who had junk food in their pantry opened and uneaten. Like I, 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 um, yes, I found those people are a, di- a type of person that they're from outer space. <laughs> yeah. There are very few people I think that have that brain where they can pr- maybe eat one and then just not very few, but I think most of us, our brains are not that way, are not wired that way. I think th- those people are the exceptions. <laughs> so, mm, yeah. yeah, and that's just, that's what like Chef AJ says. If it's in your house, it's in your mouth. And yes. for me, if it's in my house, it is in my mouth. Even now, today, I'm so far down the road of this journey myself. You know, ten years of being this way. But if it's in my house, I it's a nightmare for me. Like, definitely, it, it's um, a nightmare for me. I mean, I'm I'm also part of Chef Ages group, so I'm part of her group community and the Eat to Live community um, online as well. So I know it definitely. I mean, the big thing is dealing with um, the food addiction and not having it in your environment, which is why the first thing was clean out the environment. And I know for some people it's harder. They have other people in their house who may not eat the same way, but maybe even to put things in a different cabinet. So like right now I had to... Um, Late, um, last year, just give up peanut butter because oh it was one of That's those my foods. vice, and I, I, I it's a thing that my husband has, and I have to get him to put it in a shelf in his office yes. because I yes. can't, I can't know it's around. No, it's one of those foods where I try to moderate it. I try to make a food for it, and then finally, I just said, you know what, this food is not, it's, it's just not. I mean, the taste of it, I mean, it's just incredible, but it does something to my brain. And it makes me want to eat more. So I cannot moderate it. And I said, you know, for me, it's a spiritual journey as well. And I don't want food to be a stronghold for me. And if I have to let go of peanut butter because it's a stronghold, then I have to. I mean, my husband was was like, well, peanut butter is a natural food. Just, just okay, just have two spoons. What's the big deal? And I'm like, I cannot have just two spoons. Because I can at some time, 
but then I'm going to be thinking about it and I'm going to want more and I'm going to try to make an exception. And so it's just not worth it to me to lose all of the progress that I've made and to just have this food hold me hostage. So he has peanut butter. I mean, I just did a shopping from, from Whole Foods. They delivered and I said, okay, here's the peanut butter because he also, my husband, he's lost a substantial amount of weight. He went from, well, geez, at his biggest, a size 54. But when, by the time he met me, he was a size uh, 44. So all of our marriage, we've been married 23 and a half years. He was about that size. And then recently he finally made like the full change. He was pescatarian, but made the full change, whole food plant-based. And so he's down to a size 34. Um, and he's training for a marathon. He's going to run um, the Boston Marathon for a charity. So, yeah, so he can eat. He's training so hard. So, so he can awesome. Have, <laughs> I love it. That's so Yeah, he can have the peanut butter. So I'm like, okay, here's your peanut butter because he'll have some before he goes on the long runs. Um, so, but he, I know, I can't even tell you where it is because we have three levels. So it's not on the first level, which is where I usually cook in that kitchen. It's somewhere in one of the upper levels that I don't know where it is, but that's where the peanut butter they is. They have to hide it. Ranjit has to hide it. I have to. I love that you're doing this too, because for me, I see lots of vegan whole food plant-based bloggers and people who, and I like a smoothie bowl sometimes if it's hot, a small one. And people swirl one tablespoon of peanut butter and they'll say, just one tablespoon. And it's a freaking nightmare for me. I no. literally can't. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. And I'm telling you, Corinne, I'm a baker. Okay? So I can basically, and my kids are always like, you can take this and you can veganize it. I can not only veganize it, I can make it whole food plant-based. Like there'll be no sugar, there'll be no oil, there'll be nothing like that in there. No white flour. But I can make like, you know, I mean, I make a date sweetened cake, you know, I, I make and I have it, you know, I have a, a small book about my journey and I have it in the nested only for special we'll, occasions. We'll put all the links in for you guys to follow her blog and look at her book and it's going to be great. But it's at the end. So keep listening. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, the, I, I mean, I take a pie, I can make a chocolate tofu cream pie and I can have a crust that's like a cookie crust. There is no oil in there. So I said, I can do that. But I've kind of now moved away from always doing that. Like, okay, if there's a birthday party or something, I will make it. But now I won't even consume the cake that now I've become famous for because I want to eat more. It's not made with white flour. It's made with old flour. But it's just, I think sometimes we become so into like the food, the food, the food, and getting it to be so exotic. And, you know, yes, I can do it. But I don't always want to do it because... Now I just want to keep it simple. I want to enjoy my food as simply as I can um, for my health and not to do all of these, you know, people are like, well, you know, what's the recipes? What's the, re what's the recipes? And I'm like, yes, I put like a few recipes when I made the small booklet, but it's more about the journey and keeping things simple. So to me, having um, sweet potato like I did for dinner with a, a salad and I make a sauce with it. So I make, you know, sunflower, sour cream. That's about the fanciest thing is the dressing that I make because I, I make my own dressing. That's a seed-based dressing. That's it. But I'd rather just have a baked sweet potato with salad or bean stew yes. and keep it simple. Mm. And I think that that's – this is – you're five years, over five years into your journey. And I think if you're listening and you're saying, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm still – you're still – 
wanting the peanut butter and it seems like, oh my gosh, they're making everything <laughs> simplified to just salad. We're a long way down the rabbit hole and you don't have to be where we are to start. And like Nalita's mm, saying, you start out wanting to make all the whole food, plant-based treats and cakes and things. And I did the same thing. You know, first I went vegan and then I just made everything vegan and I made these cakes that I would eat the whole thing and I was like, why aren't I losing any weight? Because <laughs> yeah. it's so good. Because it's so good and I'm just eating it and it's vegan and I – Anyway, so I, you know, you start that way and then you, you know, you start to clear it away because you just not start really tuning into your body and going, well, this food makes me feel less energized and this food makes me carry more weight and the peanut butter. I gained 10 kilos studying my master's in teaching because I was eating, thinking I was doing a great thing, eating apple and peanut butter every night while I was doing my essays and my assignments. And my husband was like, well, how? I'm like, I can't eat peanut butter. And he said, why not? It's natural, just like your husband yes, said. And I said, because I am fat. You know, like I've just gained 10 <laughs> kilos in 18 months eating apple and peanut butter because it was like half a jar at each day. <laughs> you know, each- exactly. It's so addictive. It's so addictive. And so, you know, if you're along the road, you don't have to. Like one of my girlfriends said she just wants to be able to eat in moderation. But I couldn't. Nalita couldn't. Most of the men and women on this show who have tried moderation a thousand times and fallen on our faces, it just moderation is the emperor's cloak. Yes. It doesn't exist. We're naked. <laughs> None of it. The yeah. food is designed to be like crack to us. It's just. Yes. Abstinence is so much easier. Abstinence is so much easier. And like you I mean, say, you can focus on other things if you're not just thinking exactly. about the next peanut butter hit. Exactly. It just is. I mean, I'm, I was so surprised at how much easier abstinence was because then I just didn't have to be thinking about all these things. It, 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 was, it didn't have to take up so much space. In my head, it was like, okay, I don't eat sugar. And that was it. I mean, I just, I just, it's not like I can't eat it. It wasn't a deprivation because I can't. I mean, I, we can eat whatever we want we to want, eat. Yeah. You can. I just chose not to. And I just don't. So just, I think just having that mindset change that I don't also. And then for me, like I said, it's also a spiritual journey. So just praying through it literally, like, especially in the thing I'd be praying through that journey. And now even, you know, I've gone through and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm coming full circle back with the, with the spiritual part of my journey and just wanting to not even focus on food so much. So like, even if it's, because I still kind of, sometimes I found myself kind of keeping the habit of, okay, because I'm an itinerant teacher and I'm traveling that I'm going um, to a school and it would be like the first thing I would get into my head was, I'm going to have a snack. And I talked about that with the counselor because part of my journey was seeing um, a faith-based counselor. And I said, you know, I still have this thing I was saying recently where I'm walking towards the car and in my head, I'm thinking, okay, am I going to have an apple or am I going to have a banana? Because I would have my lunch bag and I would have, you know, fruit as well with my lunch. And I would be thinking that, and sometimes I would just eat an apple and I'm like, am I eating that mindlessly? So, I mean, I know some people will be like, well, it's just a damn apple. Just eat, you know, it's what's the big deal. But for me, it became more like, I don't want even the apple to be a stronghold. I don't want, 
I don't want the apple for me to just be so focused on food. I'm getting in the car. So my habit is going to be, I'm going in the car and I may listen to the radio or I may put on an audio book so that I can listen or listen to a podcast. And that's to be my new habit. Not as soon as I get in there to just grab an apple, just to eat the apple bread, because it's, it's still feeding into that same desire to always be eating and eating mindlessly, even if it's, it's something that's healthy. So I'm at that point where I'm like, I don't, I don't want that, all that focus. I want to eat for fuel um, and for my health, not just to just mindlessly do it. Even if it's an apple, I don't want to just be, because I don't want to be so focused. So doing that is really helped me because then I can focus and think on, on other things in life, not just, you know, food. Absolutely. And it, it's a powerful place to be when, when you get to that place. And it is a place that I, you know, I think that most of us dream of, well, most of us that are listening and really curious about this way of eating, because when you do take food away and not, and not, and this isn't about getting in some kind of eating disorder. When you take food out of an obsessive, you're always thinking about it all day. So, yes, it's taking up all this space in your head. You don't realize how much space it's taking up. And I didn't have any idea, and I've talked about this before, so I'm sorry, but when I did a water fast last year, it was the first time. I'd done one and I tried just for three days and I just wanted to, I just wanted to have that space from food just to see my relationship and just to take a step back. And obviously the first day was hard, (laughs) but on the third day I was just like, whoa, I'm so free in a way I haven't felt in my whole life. I get to look at my kids and be with them without thinking, ooh, what am I going to go to the pantry and get, you know? What am I going to eat yeah. next? What am I going to snack on, like you say? Or maybe I could make some brownies for you guys and I could eat the yeah. mixture out of the bowl, but I'm being a good yeah. mum making you treats, but then I'm going to eat exactly. all the treats. <laughs> exactly. You know, all day thinking, what can I make the kids that I can then eat and what can I do this and then I'll, you know. Yep. and. That's me. Oh, that would be me. Yeah, all day. Oh, friends coming over. I'll make them some delicious cookies out of the Forks Over Knives cookbook and I'll eat like 50 of them myself. Yeah, because it's so hard. Like I would make them. I would have the peanut butter base or some kind of nut butter. And I'm telling you, I was always the baker of my family. So when I changed the whole food peanut base, it was almost like I had lost that identity a bit. And then once I realized like, okay, I want some baker. Let me think about this. And then I figured out how to do it. And then it's like, I got that status again. Like even, you know, all my siblings who, you know, most of them are are, are Omnis and they're, you know, other people, friends. I mean, I literally, I have friends who are not plant-based or vegan and they come with Tupperware, they'll get my bean stew. And it's like, you know, everyone's requesting like the cakes and everything, like I can do it, but it would still be like so rich. Like if I make, you know, this plant-based brownie or, you know, Chef AJ's brownie from, you know, from her first book. So the raw brownie, it was like, oh my goodness, the raw brownie. Oh my goodness. That raw brownie with peanut butter is just, it's just too much. So it was some of those things I just had to be honest with myself because it's hard sometimes to be honest with ourselves and just said, you know, am am I doing these cookies, you know, for the kids or am I doing it more for myself? And I'm making, you know, am I doing all of this for other people or is it also for me to feed that? Because if I'm making those oatmeal raisin nut butter cookies 
and I'm eating like the batter. I'm eating like the equivalent of like four or five before it gets in the oven of the batter. And then once it comes out, I'm getting like another like four or five before even dessert comes. And then when dessert comes, I mean, then I'm doing it to feed something else. Um, and it's not to fuel myself and I cannot moderate that. So I had to get to that point. And this is, like I said, this is all a journey. This is not like I had this solved on day one, literally this was, these are things that yes, I've still worked on and just said, okay, like recently the peanut butter is just a few months. Like I'm done. (laughs) I was like, I said to Michael, my husband, I said, I said, peanut butter has won this, but you know, for me to win ultimately, I have to, you know, for me to win the entire battle, I have to give up peanut butter, but peanut butter has, you know, has won. I'm, I'm done. Yes. I was the same with tahini as well. Because I, 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 oh, I got even into tahini like in a serious, I went from peanut butter saying, okay, I'll go on to tahini. And then tahini was still my apple and tahini and banana and tahini, dates with tahini. Yes, the dates with them. Oh, my goodness. The and dates with the them. Oh, my God. When you say the tahini, I thought like after the peanut butter, I said, well, maybe tahini because I mean, tahini is like what you put on hummus. What could possibly happen? And then I said to myself, don't go there. And, there. and so I, I never went to the tahini. So it's funny that you're saying that because I said, you know what? I had to be honest. I said, no, just don't even go there. Don't even. Honestly, I did go there. <laughs> I went there <laughs> as my as my away from peanut butter to tahini and it's not it's just the same <laughs> yeah. I, I said almond butter i said okay surely almond butter the day one with almond butter went fine they like a couple of days but after that it was like oh no then you just it's start just thinking about it all the time so fine the mm-hmm. nut butters are so refined i think it's just and for some people maybe some people's brains can handle it but i think for myself and obviously you're, you're saying the same thing it just, it's too refined. I mean, like I can, I can have, like I have walnuts, um, is, but I literally, I always measure it one tablespoon of walnuts and that's it. And I've been able to have one tablespoon. I'll have it with, you know, whatever my salad or, or uh, if I have oatmeal, I'll put one tablespoon, but I measure it out because I don't, I can't trust myself and just say, oh yeah, I'm just going to take a small handful of walnuts. I just don't. That's so. That's that one. I do measure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I am hopeless, but I do see. Like, I have a few girlfriends, and they can just, you know, those people, and, I, and bless them, they're beautiful. But they can just have. I'm just gonna have one thing, like one date with peanut butter today. Oh, yeah. that's enough. And they're so. Oh, no. uh, I just have that. I'm just like I am gonna have uh 12 dates with peanut yes. <laughs> and dates. I'm gonna add some nuts on top throughout, of throughout, yeah and i might like put chalk chips in it <laughs> you know like just some kind of vegan chalk chip crazy i'm not saying that I did. that's not an everyday and i don't do that now but that's how i've i've done that down the track i've done it trust me i have done it i mean i have figured out those concoctions like i said they have no sugar no oil all of that stuff no salt in there but it has the nut butter. Cacao the nibs on peanut butter um, and a date. In the- was, I mean, and I, if I would let, you know, anyone in, in the house taste it, they were like, oh, my goodness, this is like a, like peanut butter cookie dough. Thing. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it was really. So I just, I just could not have all this taking up so much space in my head. Yeah, and you'll figure out, if you're listening, you'll fi- you know 
if you're the person who can have one date with yeah. peanut butter or if you're the person that's like Corinne and Nalita who are going to be fiends and just thinking about it and tomorrow you oh, wake up oh. and you're like, I'm not going to have any, but you know that you'll be thinking about it until you have them and then the next day. If yep. you're that person, abstinence is unfortunately the best way. Yeah. And it feels like unfortunate at that time, but you know, once you get into once it so much yes. more, yeah, then it's you're great. like fortunately it's there. It's just you feel so free at the time. It's just that first couple of days where the where where and if you listen to the Natalie Woodman episode, I, I don't I think it's sixteen, I'm not no, I don't think Andrew Taylor's sixteen. Thirteen. But she talks about our gut microbiome and she talk she talks about the bad you know, I call them the bad bacteria and bad guys. But they love that state sugar, fat, white flour. They love it. And it's them that are screaming like a dying demon in your intestines for that. That's the, the crave, the root of the lot of the lot of the cravings is coming from is that those bad guys are saying, give me the food that I need to survive, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I tell my kids, like, do you want the bad guys to win? Because that's who's winning if I get exactly. you this candy. <laughs> exactly. You know? I mean, and there's alternatives for kids. I mean, some people is like, well, what do you do with kids? I mean, we want, we all love That was children. my next question to you, Nalita, is you had to transition and for me my kids have been fairly whole food plant-based but they have some junk food still I'm still in this weird very 90% 10% place with my kids because I have this weird phobia that a friend of mine I grew up with in high school her parents were very healthy vegetarians but had wheatgrass shots and all these things and so the teenage girls would call me up on the weekends and they would say Corinne I'm coming over get the meat out of the fridge and defrost the ice cream and I've got a whole bag of lollies and we're gonna eat a block of chocolate and I would think oh my god Helen her parents have made you into a monster because now you have to sneak out to eat all meat, dairy, junk food. And so I'm terrified of my kids thinking, gosh, my mum's yeah. I'm very worried that they're gonna rebel. So I like to give them a ten percent that I and educate along the way. This ten percent's not great for you. It's terrible for your microbiome, it's cancer causing, terrible food. But mummy doesn't want you to be so obsessed with this taboo hidden food that we don't know about that you swing the opposite way violently when you're making your own food choices. But if you're listening and you're Jenny Cameron or Deb Plowman or a million of the other people that I know listen to this podcast who are down the track or Dr. Helene Rocks with kids and Nalita, you yourself, I'd love to hear your feedback because I don't want them to go. I know that if you tell your kids not to swear, they're going to swear a lot. If you tell your kids not to have sex, they're going to have sex a lot. So I'm just f- trying to walk that line where you, where they want to do it because they're educated and they know it's good. And that that is working. Like my sons are educated. They do say this food isn't health food. But I'm allowing 10% because i really nervous that they're going to then resent me and go to McDonald's as soon as they're 15 and old enough to go by themselves. And and I'll be devastated if they make those choices. So if you're listening, give me your tips in the show notes, comments about 
if I should just cut that 10% out, which I probably should. I'm just. Well, this is my, my take on it. And take, my approach. T- tell think, me, tell me. I think a lot of times it's, it's, it's the approach that, um, that you take as well. So when I cut out everything in the house, I mean, I talked to the kids. I said, you've seen how, how I was. Okay. And how I was feeling. You've seen your dad. My husband had, um, high blood pressure. I mean, you know, that's a whole other story himself because he, he made a big change when, um, when I was being filmed for big change, the film, and he was still obese. And, you know, so Jason Cohen came and then Tim and Heather Coffin came and he met them and he, and then he was like, wow, everyone has done this. And he heard about, you know, the other people who were in the film, Denise and Josh. And he said, you know, he started to think more and then he made the change. So I told the kids, you've seen how I was, how your dad was, how sick we were. Um, and we want the best for you. So I don't buy junk food in the house and I don't allow to have junk food in the house. And I said, I'm not going to be there with you all the time. So you're going to make decisions. That's how I handle it. Like I don't bring yes, it in the I house. I don't bring any in the house, but it's when we're, if we're having like holiday outings, you know, yeah, and, and, and they go to yeah, their uncles or, or grandparents, I'm just like, all right, you can have Savoy's at Nana's yeah, house. I mean, I, I tell them I prefer for you not to eat the junk. And then now my family, they know because they've seen like my, my husband's transformation. So they don't really try to push. Like sometimes they may have something that, okay, has a little bit of oil in there. Yeah, that's what I'm has talking a bit about. Salt, but mm-hmm. not like, you know, a bunch of, not sugar and those kinds of things. But my kids also, I, I tell them, we're not always with you. When you're in school, yes, we pack your lunch, but I'm not there with you if someone is selling something. So you have to make a choice and I hope you make a healthy choice. They've seen the documentaries. We've talked to them. They've seen how, how we were before, but we also have a program at, in the Bisson household that we call the healthy exchange program. So my kids know what it is. The healthy exchange program is, um, and then they'll, they'll be so happy. I mean, sometimes it, it, you know, it doesn't like one year it was pie day. So that's when, you know, in math, the mathematical pie, um, 3.14 for whatever, and but the schools they make it into food, so it became like Pie Day, P I E. And so when they were celebrating Pie Day on um, March 14th, um, so my two girls they went to the same school, and they both got pies, apple pies, and not you know not the plant-based apple pie <laughs> that had you know oat flour, no, the white flour with sugar apple pie. And so they came home and said, you know, so it was pie day and they had pie. And so one of my daughters was like, mom, I'm telling you right now, I couldn't resist it. And I just ate it. I just ate it. I just ate the whole thing. It, you know, it was a, it was a, a small one, but still it, 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 I ate it. And then the other one said, you know, well, I was able to resist and not eat mine. I brought it home um, for the healthy exchange. So the healthy exchanges always have like Lyra bars um, there or I would tell them if I didn't have um, Lara bars that were stashed away for that purpose, um, I would either make a smoothie, um, you know, whatever kind of smoothie that they like, or I would like, bake just a, a cookie because, I mean, I can really bake like this. I mean, I, you know, I'll just throw it together, take the o- rolled oats and, you know, add the nut butter and everything and make a, a very good um, cookie that they can just have right there and then. So I would say, okay, so what, so what do you want? And then they'll say, okay, well, I'll take the smoothie, I'll take whatever. So then they would have that as a healthy exchange. So that gave them the option. And they still, to this day, once so now they mostly will make a decision not to have something like that. Like if there's a big sale or whatever. And sometimes I'll just, 
to, you know, so my younger daughter had a bake sale in her school um, a few months ago. And I just basically, I baked oat raisin cookies, like, you know, sugar, oil, salt free. Um, and it was just the rolled oats. I think I did put some oat flour, but it was just still ground up oats. And um, I made it with sun butter because they don't like peanut butter going to school yeah, because yes, of you know, allergies. So sunflower seed butter. They're all gone. Everyone ate them. So she was able to have some. They were able to sell them. And so she and other people ate them too. I mean, they just were like, this is just good. So I think the food is just good no matter what. So I think that has helped because they had the healthy exchange program. And then, you know, we always talk to them about that. They've seen some documentaries and then they know how they feel also, because sometimes like, you know, we go to a restaurant and if it's a vegan restaurant and they would have things that are too greasy or salty, they would not feel that well afterwards because we mostly eat at home. I like to cook and I cook a lot and they can feel how their body feels. Like they have the healthy fats because, you know, they're grown, they need avocados and, you know, nuts and things like that. But they can feel the difference with having like oil, you know, I mean, they, and they, they've had like the stomach aches, you know, getting um, like the vegan fried rice with, you know, all the oil in there and it did not feel good anymore. I think them experiencing that, not feeling that well um, is also an incentive for them. But, you know, it's a learning curve for the kids. So I want to encourage them. You know, because sometimes we're like, well, you know, sometimes some people say five or 10 percent. I was like, you know, I know. But to me, I said, I think about it. You know, do you want to eat like 10 percent poison? I was like, exactly. So as 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 my 10 percent is like, you know, maple syrup baking and, you know, yeah. like those kinds yeah. of things. Exactly. But sometimes like that, yesterday we went out and we had white flour pizza at a restaurant. Um, yeah. The kids and I, vegan pizza that had, you know, oil and, uh, yeah. you know. That's still, that's still better than just going and let's say having, you know, a Big Mac or so, you know. Absolutely, some kind of, like it know, still is. But, you know. Or something that's really like so chemical. S- Savoy, yeah. we have these crackers that my my nana, my mum has all the time and my dad buys them when the kids are coming or he buys vegan lollies but just still full mm-hmm. of sugar. Yeah. And he thinks it's a nice, and my brother, and they think it's just nice thing like my kids love these mint slice biscuits that my brother their uncle has and they're fun they're fun uncle he likes to say and fun i'm the boring mom <laughs> and fun grandparent food and they're the they're the things that like the icy poles and the gelatis that they take them for that i'm just like oh but any and i look and i and i give in sometimes too like i'm just i just think oh I don't want you not to, but I agree, agree with you. Like, I just think it is poison and I'm just trying to find that line. And so, yeah, they they make their choices used to it. And we like, we make things. So if they want the ice cream, they know. I make like, banana you know, ice cream at home. Oh, all yes. The time. I make that for them. And they love that. Add, you know, blueberries with it. And it's really like so good that they, and I'll use unsweetened cacao powder so it can make it chocolate. You know, and it's just they really like it. It's it's like this is ice cream. And don't so add good. the peanut butter because it makes it excellent and then it's yeah. like oh, crack and oh I, my god. <laughs> I used to even do the peanut butter powder with that and it would be like a chocolate peanut butter. The peanut butter powder is like, okay, it's less fat, but then that taste of it just kept niggling yeah. at me. So it's really for me, I mean for some people, yes, that if they can really moderate that, it's you know, I think it's okay. 
but you have to really know yourself and be honest and get to that point where you are honest with yourself. Absolutely. Um, and just I know. can't hack the peanut butter. I bought the powders because I saw plant-based Gabriel who came on this show uh, and he has the, P- the PB2 powder. And Oh, yeah, I know him. I was like, okay, I'm going to buy some because we don't have it here. I ordered it online. I was so excited. And then it was still like crack. It just made me want all the peanut yeah. butter in every form. I mean, yeah, I had the peanut butter powder and it was just pure peanuts. It wasn't the one that had sugar or anything in there. It was just peanuts, you know, so it didn't have all the fat in there. It didn't have any sugar, anything, but the taste. And I would make like the nice cream with it. And I would add the unsweetened cacao powder. I mean, I'm telling you, this thing was like, it was good. It was really good. But then I would think about, okay, what else can I put that um, peanut butter powder in? So it became that. It was taking up so much space in my head. Maybe I should add it to the oatmeal cookies that I'm making and give it a peanut butter retake since I'm not adding it. And it just becomes, once it takes up all that space, I just can't have it. It's just, it's, it's a stronghold for me then. And it's just, you want to enjoy life and live and not always be taking a food because food addiction you know, it's a real thing. It's a real addiction. And it's like, if someone is addicted to any other substance, they don't want it always. Like every day you you have to renew yourself and make that commitment and ask God for help. Um, you know, whatever way you do it and just say, okay, I'm praying about it. I'm not going to let this, you know, take over me today. And then just to get it out and not have it take up so much space in your head. Yeah. I, Absolutely, 100% agree. And I think that people don't, we don't want to think that food is, has this stronghold over us. We like to think that we're autonomous and that we're, we make our free will and what's it called? The, we, that, we, that we can do this, that we, we, we're in control. But it's, these foods are designed yeah. to be addictive. That it's just food scientists yeah. being paid to keep yeah. you hooked. Chemists. There's chemists. Yeah. There's people that are working. There's no one. No one's addicted to broccoli. You know. No one's like, exactly. oh god, I can't stop thinking. <laughs> I, like I have, I have had a phase where I was really in love with broccoli. <laughs> I, I love, I love cauliflower. That might be the closest to any vegetable addiction. I love cauliflower. <laughs> I just, I love it. Oh my goodness, it's so good. That might be the closest, <laughs> but I'm in no danger of. Yeah, of uh, becoming obese because of a binge. Yeah, like there's no danger of it. If there is a danger, we know that it's addictive, you know, like it is addictive. Exactly. Like one pound of, of cauliflower and I'm good, you know, and one pound of, of cauliflower. I mean, it's not even more than 125 calories if you're looking at it. Like it's just so small, you know, it's filling. But it's not something like, you know, nobody's going to binge of uh, uh, from cauliflower. Like, it's just not going to happen. So with your kids, was it hard for them? Did they find it hard to not have, because a lot of people have grown kids or teenagers or a kid, you know, primary school kids. And you've, you've got some great, like, I love the Healthy Exchange program. But, and I know that you're educating them, but did, with the cravings and the, the key peer pressure and those things, was that difficult in the beginning for you? I think it was, um, and it was for them because it's the same for all of us, you know, for, for you know, when, when we're going through that transition process and we're, you know, and they would say, you know, wow, you know, I kind of want this or I miss that. But then, like I said, I would cook things, you know, I think I'm a fairly good cook, my kids and husband at least. And so when, the way that I would cook and I would put like the spices that I would use, and they were like, you know, okay, this is this is pretty good. 
once I finally like cut out the salt, um, then my, my, you know, th that's when it got a little bit tougher. You know, I said, you know, the salt really isn't, um, isn't good. And really I had help with that, you know, with chef AJ, the way she exists to cook and add tomatoes and tomato paste. And then also hearing Dr. Furman's lecture on all the dangers of the salt and all that it can do to you. So all of these things. And I started cooking with more spices and more things. And I'm like, okay, my family's from Haiti and my husband's also Haitian. I'm like, we can do other things to give, you know, the flavor because he was like, well, Haitian people eat salt. And I said, yeah, well, Haitian people also have a lot of high blood pressure. So we need to cut out the salt. So it was, a, it was a change for everyone, but I think our taste buds, my husband and my, and mine and the kids, it adapted quickly, you know, and the other flavors that we would use, it really like the taste of the food came through. So for making like the bean stew that I make, Everyone who comes over, if we have what we call soup and serenades, where we have, you know, big pot of soup, and then, you know, we have karaoke. My husband's a musician, so he'll play the guitar and we'll sing and all of that. And no one, everyone is surprised that there's no salt in it because they're like, are you sure? I said, I don't have a salt shaker. There's no salt in there. And it's just like adding the tomato paste because tomatoes have natural sodium built in. So there's no salt in there. And then just add a bit of dates. To it that gives it like this extra flavor so just is the way and then adding the spices onions and onion powders is just it fools your taste but when you're putting all of these different natural things together and it fools your taste but to think that you're having salt because now my kids are like you know this is good like my son he's 11 now and he's always like oh my goodness you know we're having all of these he says we're having all these plant-based delicacies that's what he says literally <laughs> he's a funny kid he has a good vocabulary. He's always like, you know, I just love how we're having all these plant-based delicacies. It's so simple, yet it's just so delicious, you know, because it is, your taste was adjust, and they, so they they know that it's, it's a learning curve. It's not gonna happen on, on like day one. Day one, you're gonna say, okay, but even on day one, you're gonna enjoy, like if you bake the sweet potato, it's sweeter, and you're gonna enjoy that taste. You know, because it, it's it's just nice, like a Japanese sweet potato. But you, you, your taste buds adjust. But a lot of the foods are foods that we eat. You know, beans, if you eat beans, oatmeal. But just add a, a sweet banana, a ripe banana to it. And it's going to be sweet. You don't have to have the sugar with the oatmeal. Let the banana start to ripen. And when it starts to get the little black dots, then it's ripe and it's so sweet. Add that to, to your oatmeal. And then add some, you know, blueberries to it. You know, get the frozen ones so that they can last. And you know, you've got an oatmeal with fruit in there that tastes sweet. You don't have to have the sugar and you need to add butter and all of these things that we always thought that you know we had to add to oatmeal to make it something more than what it is. It already is what it is. It's already good in its natural form. That is such a great way to think of it. Because I found it so difficult to get rid of sweetener and salt as well. Especially maple syrup. Like I still have maple syrup sometimes in like baking, but maple syrup is a hard one. Do you have maple syrup in your cookies? Do you still add maple syrup? I don't. If I add anything, it would be date syrup sometimes, and which is the only ingredients are dates. Um, and I just, just for me, because having been like such a strong sugar addict, I didn't want anything that made me have like that sugar trigger. So for me, for some people, they can have some maple syrup, but for me, I don't. Like, I, I just I just don't um, even go there. So I just, when I cut out the sugar, I cut out the maple um, syrup as well. 
because I would notice like if I would get, you know, any vegan dessert, if, even if it had the maple syrup, it would just be like sugar to me. It would just get into my brain that way. So I just, um, it did not work for me. Yes. So the Forks Over Knives cookies, I think, have maple syrup in. So I think that I've made them with maple syrup in them a bit. And I, I agree. It is, it is like one of my, that is one yeah, of my last it, little bits that has yeah. to still go. <laughs> yeah, I think the dates are really a good substitute, really, because it just, um, they taste so good. So if, 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 you know, to use anything, it would be either ripe bananas or dates. Those are, those are always like my go-to, you know, as a, as a natural uh, fruit sweetener. Ah, oh, delicious. So now you're feeling so great. How has your life changed? Like how has your life for gone, is different from being size 24 to a size 6? I mean, I just feel better, first of all. I mean, I'm not constantly having gallbladder attacked. And, and anyone who has gallstones, and I haven't had my gallbladder removed. Thankfully, it's still there. But anyone who has gallstones or and have had gallbladder attacks know it is one of the most painful things because you have pain that's like in your upper abdomen and then it radiates like around your entire chest, around your shoulders, around your back, and it, and it comes back again. It's excruciating. So I don't have like this, this, this pain coming um, from, you know, gallbladder attacks. I don't have, you know, all the aches that I had before. I can move. You know, I'm not like a, a marathoner like my husband is training to be. But I mean, I do 5Ks. I, um, I've done some with my younger daughter. I'm using her guide. She also has autism. So when, she, when we're running, I'm usually the one to guide her. Um, we use a tether. And um, so I'm able to move. I'm able to like, you know, go, when it's warm right now, it's freezing in Boston. <laughs> but, you know, we'll go to the park with the kids and run race. Just move better. I'm walking a lot because I'm traveling in between schools. So sometimes I'm parking far away. I have a bag. I'm rolling. I'm moving fast. Sometimes I'm jogging to get to the school. I just feel so much better. I'm more active. I can do stairs, not be winded. I can, you know, go to the amusement park. My kids are like, you know, they said, you know, after going to several amusement parks, you know, you're moving so much better now. Like we would go to the parks and you would have to sit down every once in a while. Because it's a lot, especially in the summer, it's hot. And, you know, you're going into this ride, into this place. And, you know, sometimes I just was like, oh, my goodness, I just didn't feel like it. It was, it was hard to move being that large. And um, now I can just move. I can just go. And, you know, so, and sometimes the kids like, okay, now, you know, they're tired. And, you know, so I can just, I just feel better. I can keep up. And um, <laughs> a lot of my colleagues, are sometimes... People don't recognize me. Like some schools, if I haven't been to that this, that school in a while and I'm reassigned and people are looking at me and they're like, is it, they recognize me really by my hair. So my, I'm really known <laughs> um, for my hair because it's very long and I have to dreads. And so sometimes they recognize like my face, but they're confused, and, but they see the hair and they're like, you kind of look like Nelly. And I'm like, I am, it's me. Um, so people are really surprised um, to see me and to see the, to see the transformation. So, you know, that's kind of good too. And sometimes kind of fun because, you know, sometimes they don't really know it's me. Oh, wow. That's, that's, and I'm sure that that's inspiring to people who are listening to hear how good you feel and to know that that's possible. You know, this is, this is, your stories like yours. It's possible. It's like if I, I mean, I was the biggest, 
sugar addict. Like I only know one person who was more addicted to sugar than I was. Um, so I was like, if I could do it and just like, sugar is not even taking up space in my brain anymore by God's grace. Um, because it, before it, it just was so much, I was, I mean, everything was sugar. I don't even want to name the names. I don't want the people, but you know, all the stuff with the sugar, the candies, trust me, I had, and like I said, I would make the desserts. Like, you know, my oldest brother used to always say, oh my goodness, sis, you make the best sweet potato pie. You, you know, you're such the baker, you know, because I was just, I had that sweet tooth and I could do it. And I was like, if I could let go of sugar, anybody can let go of sugar because I loved sugar. <laughs> I love it. It's possible. You just feel so much better. Like I could not, I can't trade. I wouldn't trade an Oreo or whatever the best cookie was, you know, any gourmet cookie, I would not trade for how I feel. And, you know, I would have those gourmet and I mean, really good gourmet cookies, but you, I would not trade how I feel for that. Absolutely. I, I remember years ago, I was, there was, we were at a bar, I think, and I don't drink or anything, but I was out with friends and someone offered around a block of chocolate and it was dairy chocolate. And they said, oh, you can't have that. And I said, I said the same thing, what you're saying. I said, I can. I said, but I couldn't feel my legs. <laughs> And, and I wouldn't trade this chocolate bite of that chocolate for feeling my legs. Like it's just, it's just, it's not, I, it's not it. even food to me anymore. Like exactly, and that's what I look at it. I was like, this is not. This is fake food-like substances. A, a lot of it out there is. I look at it as food-like substances. It's not real food. It's fake, and I don't want to put the poison. And, and it's hard, like, you know, I know because I've, you know, we've been there. It's hard because you're looking at it and, like, and how are you going to do it? You can have the plan and you know what to do. And for me, that's where this, the spiritual part of the journey is because I feel like I can't do it alone or I don't have to do it alone. And every day I have to just renew that and renew my mind that way because I can't, you know, I can't just think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, so good or whatever, because it's not me. I'm not so good and so strong. People are like, oh, you have such willpower. I'm like, it's not me. I'm eating this way, which helps because then it's not fueling that addiction. And then I'm renewing and I'm asking God for help every day. Sometimes it could be every hour or minute, whatever it takes to, to keep on and to, you know, to just live this way and to really live. Yes, I love that. And to live healthfully. I love that. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful way to think. And I think it's, it is hard. And I, if you, whatever you have, if you're not, you know, if you don't have a formal religion or you don't, you're not spiritual, whatever works, call on that, call on a friend, go pat your dog, you know, whatever yeah. it is, you know, if you don't have someone to pray to, hang on. Hang on to something. When you have those cravings, seek something else, go for a run, go for a call a friend, do something, you know, as Andrew Taylor says, you know, we can, we, we can get, you know, food. We need to stop having food as our friend, our comfort, yeah. our, our solace, oh, the person we seek for pleasure, the thing we go to whenever we want a, a hit of joy and happiness, a bit of moment of bliss on our tongues. Yes. And and find that somewhere else, you know, if and find if you need if you if you have God in your life, then 
go. Like that's amazing to be like the leader and 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 use him for support or use your you know, the universe or Allah or Buddha or whoever it is for you um, for support to help you get through those cravings or you know, exercise, find the yeah, thing or a hobby or a art or draw or paint or sing or dance or go play with your kids or whatever it is to help you move through that. It, it only normally lasts for 10, 20 minutes that. Yes. And, and then you'll get beyond it and then feel so much better. Yeah. And then you get beyond it and you'll, yeah. So I find the things that work for you because your journey as Jeanette Murray Wakeland said in her episode, it's going to be different to the leaders. It's going to be different to mine or Andrew's or Anthony, you know, or, Tim Browns or whoever it is, it'll be different. But just keep trying and figuring out the strategies and the tools that work for you to help you through that craving, to help you, you know, remove the peanut butter, hide it upstairs, get your partner to hide it, get your housemates to put it in their rooms or whatever you have to do, you know. Just do what works for you, but just keep trying every day. Commit to it and just like you said, keep trying and keep doing it. Commit to it and say, I'm going to do this for myself and then just do it. Don't overthink it. Yeah. And, and, and tweak as you go. As you can see from me and listening to this podcast in my own journey, I'm still tweaking. You know, I don't have too much maple syrup, but if I have friends over for me, I still have a little bit because I, but it, but it is, it is bad for me. (laughs) Like I don't deal with it well. And so that is going to be another thing that's going to go. And then Nalita has already made that decision herself. And, with my kids, there's, there's movement. I'm always going to keep progressing and I'm not stopping because, oh, you know, well, 10% is good enough. 10% is not good enough. You know, by the end of 2019, maybe it will be 100% with my kids and I'll just have my family and my my mum and dad and my brother thinking that I'm a nagging naggy. <laughs> it's a journey. It's, it's all a, a journey. journey. All just take it's it and not, make it joyful. It, we've never we've never arrived. No. You know, it, it's, all, it's a constant journey and we're always you know, trying to do our best and to make things things work. And like you said, to tweak things and make it work for us. And just really being honest to ourselves in our journey to know, like, you know, this is it's because it's hard. Like I said, with the peanut butter, it was hard. I was in denial for a while with that, like, no, I can do this. And then it's like, mm. then you just get to that point. And I just, like I said, by God's grace, I got to that point and said, okay, huh, enough is enough. Because if you notice anything getting tight, I'm like, no, because I'm not buying a new wardrobe. <laughs> this is it. I have no other wardrobe. So get that out. And then, you know, things, you know, normalize back. So um, it's worth it. <laughs> you know yourself. And, and, and just forgive yourself over yes. and over again. If you're not yes. as some people have been on this show are so great at just cutting it out and forgetting about it and moving forward. And you might think, gosh, I, I've fallen off. I've fallen off. A thousand times, but I fall off less and less and less and less. Exactly. You fall off less and then you're also lower to the ground maybe. So you're not not hurting the bad. Yeah. So I fall (laughs) off and it's dates and peanut butter, but I used to fall off and it was a whole vegan cake with oil, you know? Exactly. So you were falling off a cliff. Now you're just, you know, maybe falling off a chair. Yeah. 
so just forgive yourself and move forward rather than sitting there dwelling, dwelling, dwelling about, oh, yeah. God, I ate this. I'm horrible. Yeah. I better eat some more yeah. things because I feel so awful. <laughs> just You did it. You did it. It's done. Move on. That's And that's one of the things that, I, you know, that I try to keep, you know, you did it. It's done. Okay. Forgive yourself. And you know, renew your mind, you know, and and just keep going. Just keep going. So Nalita, please tell everyone where they can go find you, follow you, see you, your movie, your documentary, your page, your blog. Where can they find you? Um, so on Facebook, I'm at um, facebook.com slash plant based God's Grace. So all together, so it's plant based God's Grace. And um I also, I have a blog, same name. So I usually cross post some of the same things. Um, plantbasedgodsgrace.com. Um, and so on my Facebook page, I have um, a link to just a small book booklet that I published about my journey. So it's not a recipe book. Like I said, people just kept saying, well, you should write about your journey and how you did this. So I did something very small. You can read it literally in you know less than a day. Um, but I did put just 13 recipes because I, in, and not, not even at the very end of the book, kind of like in the middle, because I wanted it to just not be a recipe book because it's not all about recipes. It's about so much more. It's, you know, physical um, journey. It's a spiritual. It's, it's so much more. It's your mindset. Um, so it's really about more than that. So, um, yeah, I think those are. You know, I'm on this Instagram a little bit, but, you know, not always. But it's really my plant-based God's Grace page on Facebook that I do um, a lot of um, writing and thoughts and sharing information um, about my journey. And now also my husband's. Um, the film that is coming up, uh, hopefully by the end of the year, is Jason Cohen's film, Big Change, the film. And um, he came, was over a year ago to... Um, to the filming in Boston and I'm forever grateful because I wanted to do it um, because I wanted to hopefully be able to help other people so that they can see there's hope. And really I feel like the first person that helped was my husband because it was kind of like the catalyst. He kind of like, he saw that and it was in the summer um, and he of 2000 to 2017, I'm thinking, yes. And then he started just to think like, you know, well, maybe it was like, you know, he, maybe this would be, this is the way for me to go. He started doing his own research a little bit more. We went to New Jersey that summer. We saw Dr. Furman. Um, and we also spent time with um, Anthony Masiello, who's, who's featured in Dr. Furman's book and, you know, and, and met up with him and his wife and his family and I think all of those things, and Michael having met, you know, a lot of the people from Big Change of Film and Jason, he, they influenced him. And he was like, well, if they could do it, I think he kind of thought it was like a fluke, maybe. He was like, well, I saw you do it, but I just thought, you know, like you were strong and you just did it. But, you know, this person, they did that. And, you know, so it really did something for him. And I'm so happy because, like I said, his blood pressure was so high that it was unbelievable when I went to the doctor in 185 over 111. And I'm like, he could have a stroke. And that was when he's already started making the change. He had already lost like 10 additional pounds. And, he, and but that's when it, it was still that high. But he was able to get off of his medication in like two months, two and a half months um, off the blood pressure medication. And like I said, he went from like in a year and a half, he went from a size 44 inch 
to 34 inch. I mean, before that he was super obese, but he, you know, then he became pescatarian. So he lost like over 20 pounds from that. And then right now, so he's lost really over 320 pounds in himself, size 54 to 44. And then now. So he's lost over 320 pounds. Yeah. From, wow. from way before, but yeah, the, the yeah. initial from 54 inches to 44, he was still obese, but he was really super obese before. Um, but really this big change that he made. And I always say, you know, little changes will give little results. Like we had both lost some weight when he stopped soda and things like that. But then the big change gave big results. I mean, in, in every way, because now, I mean, he always thought like, we'd always watch the Boston Marathon on TV. And he was like, oh, I would really like to run that. But we're both obese when he was saying that. And I said, well, you never know, maybe one day. And then he said recently, remember when you were saying that maybe one day? And now he is. I mean, he's running. He's running for a great organization called the Play Brigade. It's for, you know, um, inclusion in sports and recreation for kids who have disabilities. And all three children have disabilities. So that's something that's close to our hearts. And he's blind. He's a blind runner. So he's running with two guides and they're training. They're, you know, guiding him with a, with a tether. So he's he's able to then reach his goal and his dream to run the Boston Marathon, to do it for a good cause. And also to show people that it can be done to to go from where he was to that. And and so this this whole lifestyle is just it brought us more friends. It brought us our health. Um, it just did so much. I just I thank God um, just for that whole journey and all the people that um, that's come along with it. I'm sorry if you hear a beep. I think that's my I have I have my sweet potatoes. I don't know if I I don't want to just run away and turn it off. It, it's not going to burn, but it's the oven. I it went off. So you see, this is real life, people. I'm prepping my sweet potatoes that I'm going to have. You know, uh, part of it will be part of my lunch with cauliflower tomorrow, and um, my um, and salad and things. And then um, so I prep. I do several, and then I can have it. You know with for lunch one day or dinner another day. But so I always have a few sweet potatoes baked and ready to go. I just put them in parchment paper bags and store them in the fridge. So see real life prepping. Real life prepping. Live. I was going to ask you, so you've just led, this is the segue perfectly into my next question, which is, as always, what would be your three biggest tips for listeners considering taking on this lifestyle? Three biggest tips. I think um, the number one tip is really to deal with any emotional or other issues because a lot of people, I mean, statistically, who are uh, overweight or obese um, have dealt with some kind of trauma in their past. A lot of times it's abuse or other just other issues, other trauma. So really to, to deal with that. For me, I went in, in to see a, a faith-based counselor and that helped me. So to really try to try to deal with any issues around that in your mindset. That's such a great, great point, Nalita. And I think that if you're listening and it feels really hard to do that because it does feel really hard and I think a lot of us escape into food because we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to feel those awful feelings and have those awful memories and and deal with those things. But that that it is such an important part and that's like work with me with my work that I do with um people it's it is a consciousness eating you know, like there's a reason why the other plans and diets fail and only two percent of people keep their weight off because not only is food addictive but we we're using food to fill a 
fill a hole, to fill yes, a, numb to, to numb ourselves and to comfort ourselves and to ease our suffering within ourselves. And until we find, we heal from that suffering or through therapy or through talking or journaling or however it is for you, we're always going to want to fill it with food or drugs or alcohol or, or, or other things. And I remember going to a counsellor myself years ago and we wrote about my all the things that I was dealing with on a whiteboard. She mapped out my my problems and, you know, I had this relationship that it's a guy that I really loved who didn't love me and I had housemate issues that was a nightmare, fin- job issues that were a nightmare. I was studying full-time at university, which was a nightmare. My brother was dying and I'm not sure if he had died or was dying and I had just gotten multiple sclerosis. So that was 2005 and I remember sitting there and mapped out all these things about all my life and she said, any one of those things would have most people on the, yeah. fl- on the floor. And she said, you need to go cry um, and, and let it and feel, and feel it and not try to numb it with antidepressants and just actually feel the, I'm not saying that, if you have depression, I'm not saying go off your tablets, but she said they're, you're, you're not chemically imbalanced. They're real issues that are awful in your life and you need to feel them and process them and deal with them. And I said to her, I'm so scared that if I feel it, I'll never get out of bed, that I'll never stop crying, that I'll open Pandora's box and I'll never recover. And I have to because I have to be there for my mom and my dad and my brother and my brother who's dying and I have to for – Everyone, I can't be in bed. And she said, look, you, you will stop crying. Okay. But I didn't believe it. So if you're listening and you're saying, oh, my God, I can't, I can't f- open the lid because I'll never stop crying. The only, way, the only way out is through, unfortunately. Yeah. But once you get through, it's, it will be so freeing. I mean, it took me a year into because it took me two years, a little over two years to lose over a hundred pounds. So to really, to, to get all that weight off. And it was like, after it, it was halfway through that phase. So one year in that I realized I had to, because I would sometimes like have nightmares. I had past trauma and I would wake up, you know, any sound, I would be hypervigilant and I would be crying out. And then sometimes my older daughter would come by and say, you okay, mom? And my husband would be, he was a night owl because he's a musician. So he'd be practicing or something and he'd be in another room or upstairs or whatever practicing. And so my daughter would come and then I didn't want like for that legacy, like to be passed on for her to always hear that or the other kids and just think something's wrong. And I said, this is not natural. It's not right. So that's, that's what really pushed me to go and to get that counseling, to be able to deal with you know, with that and not to get like, hold on to toxic shame and all of those things. So really, I think for me, it's important to do that. And I chose to do it with a faith-based counselor. Um, so it's for me dealing with that, like you said, is so important having to get that out and going through it. Yes, you, it's scary, but once you're through it, oh my goodness, it's so freeing to just not hold on to any of that toxic shame that doesn't belong to you, any of the other issues that you can just let go and be free of it. So I think to me, that's the number one. That's so good. Thank you. So number, thank you. And I'm so glad that you're sharing this because we haven't. And I think that what you're saying, there's so many people who who do have that toxic shame and do have those feelings 
from past traumas and I think that it it, it is terrifying to go through but when you do go through like you say it's so freeing on the other side yeah it totally is um and i think more other practical things are keeping it simple i mean really keeping it simple so doing things like um you know and i'll give the examples of keeping it simple like i buy boxes of salads already like triple washed I buy a lot of frozen vegetables because, and I just like, you know, either steam or bake it in the oven. So doing things as simple, um, you know, scrub the sweet potatoes. I get the organic with sweet potatoes because I want to eat the skins, scrub it, put it in the oven. That's what we're just baking, you know, get beans, really keep things simple so that it doesn't become overwhelming. You don't really have to spend like days batch cooking or whatever, just a couple of sweet potatoes at a time or, you know, boil some beans that you can travel with. Just so keeping things simple like that is one. And I think another thing, which kind of is keeping it simple, but different is using as much, like for me, especially as a busy, you know, wife, mother, teacher, full-time, is using food delivery services. And I guess it depends where you are, but most places have them now. So I use um, supermarket deliveries, Whole Foods and other, you know, um, local supermarket. Um, and I also have like a farm delivery that comes every other week is just makes your life anything that makes it easier and more simple for you. I don't have to go through because if I go into the stores, like I walk into the supermarkets and most of the time you walk into the bakery section and that's where you're walking. This is the junk is right there. And sometimes you can avoid it. You have to go into the store, but most of the times I'm not in the store. So I'm not seeing it. There's no enticement. I'm not smelling it. And especially early on in your journey. It's hard to walk into the supermarket and the bakery is right there. You see it, you smell it, and it's, it's overwhelming. You you go on your app or whatever when you have these food delivery services and you just do your order. You get what you get. They deliver it to your door. That's it. And you don't have to deal with all of this enticement with because the markets are made for that. They put the display on. As soon as you walk in, the enticement is there, the pictures and the smells is just overwhelming. Absolutely, absolutely. I love your three tips. So deal with the emotional and any other issues that are going on as number one. I think that is so incredibly important. And and, and every single guest that has come on this show, even though they haven't listed that, they've all gone through that. You, You hear it in their stories. You know that they've had to deal with big shit along the way they've had to and um and it's just the way it is it's so important so definitely great number one keep it simple number two it's such a great great way to do it rather than trying to get all these pinterest accounts with all these recipes bake some sweet potatoes don't get confused just make it simple and use a food delivery service. And I think that that is such a great idea with, you know, you can get whole food from local whole food areas or farmer's markets, I don't know, but there's delivery services here in Australia. There's delivery services from our big supermarkets as well and in the States and anywhere else around the world. I think there's more and more coming. Yeah, and it's not that much more expensive, really. It's really, when you think about the time, the gas that you put in the car, the hours that you take to get there to shop and then to come back, 
you is really not any more expensive than you're going and you're saving yourself time. Yeah, and the psychological war that yeah. you have to go on when you're in there. It's so much. Like my husband always says, he's like, he doesn't have, because he's blind, he's like, he doesn't have like the temptation that some of us do. Like we can have a dopamine hit if we see something that, you know, that we were addicted to. And it just does something to another. He said he doesn't have that because he was like, that's kind of an advantage. He says to being blind. <laughs> He's like, I can't see those chips in the pictures that they're putting out there. So I'm not seeing it. You know, if it's a bakery kind of thing, okay, well, he can smell that. But I mean, he's not seeing all those. You're bombarded with it. And I told him constantly, billboards everywhere. He's like, he doesn't have that part to deal with because he's not seeing all these things that's up there. And when you go into the supermarket, you know, you walk in. And the potato chip sign, no, for whatever, it's the Super Bowl, it's whatever. It's a huge giant sign. It's not just like the bags of chips that are there. It's a huge sign with the picture of the bag and then the pictures of the chips in there. So you're, you're getting all of that visual stimulation. Oh, they're, yeah. they're ge marketing, gene, advertising geniuses. Oh, definitely. And they're making a ton of money. I was like, I refuse to just let them make that money off of me and my mm. family like that anymore. No. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. Thank you so much, Nalita, for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your awesome podcast and um, just for helping because I know a lot of people have been and will be helped by um, by your show. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Plant-Based God's Grace on Facebook, and her blog to plantbasedgodsgrace.com. Big Change, the movie, the documentary is coming out hopefully at the end of 2019. You can see more from Nalita there and more from some really great people who have been former guests on this podcast as well, sharing their story in the documentary. So I'm very excited for Big Change to come out. And yes, you can also find her little journey booklet over at Facebook as well on her Facebook page. Yes. Yes, on the plant-based God's grace. Yep. Plant-based God's grace. So check it out, Facebook, a little bit on Instagram and on plantbasedgodsgrace.com. Thank you so much, Nalita. Thank you, Corinne. It's been great. And don't forget to share this episode with your family and friends on social media and anywhere else and to comment, leave reviews, ratings, all of those things help this podcast to reach more people and stories like Nalita's to reach more people. So thank you and thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Nalita, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have any comments or questions for Nalita and I, please head over to the show notes comment section and leave a message for us there. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. And obviously, again, please share this with everyone that you know because, you know, we all want to overcome food addiction. We all want to live in an optimal weight for our bodies and our frames and to feel good and to feel better. So your support of this podcast means that more people will feel more confident to try out a whole food plant-based diet and to hopefully feel a, lot, a whole lot better. So thank you again and I'll see you all next week. Bye.